0: that was in Jesus is in you. Lean over to somebody close to you and tell them it's in you. I want to put the concluding segment on this series of sermons. I know I've been changed. Acts chapter 20, verse seven is a familiar passage. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people the next day because he intended to, Paul Paul spoke, because he intended to leave the next day. He kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs rooms where we were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and picked up for dead. Paul went down, to himself on the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. As you take your seat, touch somebody and tell them, don't judge us by the sermon. That's what I want to preach. Don't, so glad today to have worshiping with us my grandchildren and Jarette's mom and our family. Beatrice Kimmins has come all the way up from Memphis and worshiping with us today children were down with her for the last month and then my our grandchildren to him is Lillian and Walter the third they're worshipping with us today so we're excited to having family in the house but I want to talk about don't judge us new psalmist the church the kingdom by the sermon The time of the text is very important. For the last several weeks I've been sharing with you how the gospel spread from Jerusalem to the far-flung reaches of the empire. We started out looking at the apostle Peter and the ministry of the disciples that followed Jesus, just lower this sum. We looked at how God moved in a special and mighty way through them to take the gospel and then we saw the Gospel move to the life of the Apostle Paul, and we saw how God used him from place to place. We took a brief excursion and saw the disciple by the name of Apollos, who came to Ephesus and began to preach the word there, and how Priscilla and Aquila took him under their wing and helped him grow in faith. And then we saw the Apostle Paul, launch out on a third missionary journey, believing that God wanted him to once again, go strengthen churches and build disciples. But now our text brings him near the end of his third missionary journey. He's been out founding churches and strengthening brethren. He's been out telling people about Jesus Christ. And now, after about five good years of missionary travel, he has returned to the place that caused him to launch out on that second journey. I remember telling you, and I hope you remember hearing the sermon about Paul going to Troas and hearing a voice telling him to come over to Macedonia and help us. He went there on that second journey and traveled again there on his third journey. And now some, oh, 15 years later, he has returned to the original city of Troas. He has come back to the place where he launched that mission to share and strengthen believers who are there. It is a marvelous moment for him. He is leaving in the morning because he plans to make trips to other places. He still has cities to go to. He has to visit Ephesus. He has to go back to Jerusalem. He has much yet to do. And he is still uncertain of some of the plans that God has for him. If I have anyone in church today who's still a little uncertain of the plans God has for your life, just wave at me. He does not know where every tomorrow will lead him, and he is unsure of what challenges are awaiting him, but he is fully aware of what he has been through, and he can sing the song, How I Got Over. My soul looks back and wonders how I got over. I think there's somebody in here who can sing that same song. He's meeting with the believers in Troas, sharing with them what has happened in his life. We are not told the substance of his sermon that night. We are not given information about what he is sharing with them. But one thing we know for sure, his cup is running over. He has seen God do some amazing things. Maybe he told them about that night in the Philippian jail, Locked in the bottom of the jail, in the very depths, the bowels of the jail, knowing that his trial would be in the morning and death might await him in the afternoon, he and Silas went into a serious prayer meeting. And when they finished praying, the city of Philippi had an earthquake. Somebody better hear me. And the jail swung open. The jailer was so nervous that everyone had left, he ran down, looked in, and called out, and Paul said, we are all here. The jailer was amazed that they had not run, but you don't have to run when God's already set you free. Somebody missed that, but you'll catch that in a tough moment. You don't have to run when God has already set you free. When that moment ended, that jailer and his whole family had received Christ. Maybe he told them about the experiences in Thessalonica, other cities, but he had much to share, much to tell them. And so the Bible records that that night in that upper room in Troas, that third floor room, the Apostle Paul began to preach about how good the Lord is talking about who the Lord is and what he's done in his life, how what he had seen on the missionary trail. The Bible seems to imply there were many lamps in the room. People were everywhere. The light was keeping it bright. But even though the light was bright, something else was going on. I need to help you understand a truth before I go any further. There was always something going on when something else is going on. Y'all missed that, but I need to say it again. There's always something going on when something is going on. Paul is preaching, sharing the message of what God has done, telling the story. But while Paul is telling the story, Luke decides to add into this narrative the story of someone else. Even while we're sitting in church right now, something else is going on. There's somebody in church with something on their mind, somebody on church with, in church with something they're dealing with. Somebody just checked their phone to see if they have a text. Somebody just made a post on Facebook, and somebody is trying to figure out how they can get out of church so they can return the call from somebody who just called them. There's always something else going on. Nudge the person beside and say, you know you got something else going on. There's a young man in the service, Brian. There's a young man in the service. Now understand, Paul is no longer Paul of Tarsus, this youngster who's 29 when he meets the Lord on the Damascus Road. He was around 29 years old, Angie, when he meets Christ on the Damascus Road. Paul is now in his late 50s or maybe even early 60s. Eutychus is a young man, as the Bible describes, sitting, listening to this old man preach. He is seated in the window. Paul is preaching, sharing the gospel through his own understanding. He is talking through the lens of his own life. He is trying to explain things using the language and the disciplines that he has gained over the years. Nudge somebody and tell them he's going somewhere. He's an old man, read preaching the gospel to everyone in the room, and they are hanging on it almost with every word. But Eutychus is a young man. He is from a different era. He does not hear the same way as Paul. He is thinking Paul might stand up there and preach for about 10, 15 minutes. That, that's normal time for sermon to be in Eutychus' mind. He's from a different era. He's not expecting long, protracted messages. He's not expecting something like Martin Luther. Note somebody say, get ready for this. Martin Luther and, and, and John Calvin, John Calvin in particular, used to preach a sermon for three hours. And people had to stand for the whole length of the sermon. Look at somebody and say, thank God for a chair. And they were in trouble if they did not show up. Help me somebody. So Eutychus is not expecting Paul to preach long. He's from a different era, but Paul is preaching, and he has so much to say because he's been through so much and seen so much. He's trying to explain it in his own language. Let me see if I can help you get where I'm coming from because somebody's lost. Uh, Paul is the temptations and Nat King Cole. Eutychus is Biggie and Tupac, Drake and 2 Chains. Paul is bell-bottom pants and a dookie rope. Eutychus is jeans that have rips in them, where people pay more for space than clothing and tattoos on their arms, their back, their neck, their head, their face, and their big toe. Look at somebody say, I wanna see that one on their big toe. Paul is a stocking cap and a bush cone. Eutychus is a fresh cut and beijing. Paul is Chaucer, Shakespeare. Eutychus is Marvel Universe. They are from two different worlds. Paul is preaching in his language, talking about Newton's laws of physics, talking about the principles of thermodynamics, talking about Carl Jung and Freud, and Eutychus is sitting there in the window listening to Paul explain what God has done through his language and Eutychus starts. He's preaching so long. Eutychus' head starts and Eutychus falls. But Eutychus is young. If he was older, he'd have known something. He'd have known where to sleep. Somebody needs to hear me. An old person would never sleep in the window. Eutychus is sitting in the window with his tattoos and his cut up jeans. Paul is preaching. Folk are listening, and all of a sudden, Eutychus goes straight to sleep, and gravity. How many of y'all know about sometimes your head don't fall this way? I need to see the hands of folk who've nearly broken your neck. Come on, come on, don't play, come on. I know you in here. You've ever had that? You ever caught yourself? His neck almost snaps off. And read out the window. Out the window, he, I, I, I wonder in a human sense where he woke up. Was it after he went out the window, the second floor, the first floor? Deacon Anthony Vaughn helped me with this. Deacon Vaughn said, Doc, don't worry. Falling will never kill you. He said, you can fall out of a plane. That won't kill you. You can fall off a building. That won't kill you. I said, Anthony, what are you talking about? He said, no, falling ain't going to kill you. I said, well, what will? He said, hitting the ground. (laughs) Uticus falls three floors and hits the ground. And you know, ain't nothing like Lays out on the ground. And everybody says he's dead. Oh, my God, church is over. The son, Paul doesn't get the hoop or climax that son. It's over. It's finished. I'm sure when the people saw that boy fall out the window, many of them were finished with this new faith. It's so boring that it caused the person to fall asleep and fall to death. I ain't going to that church what a way to have your sermon in a man fall from the third floor window because the sermon put him to sleep help me somebody i think i'd have lost my mind i, I, I can't imagine mean, can you imagine preaching and folk falling out the chair asleep? paul has become the anesthesia preacher <laughs> wait a minute y'all got to get this now i mean The adversary, I've been telling you all this month, all the different ways the adversary had tried to end the church. All the different ways. Remember, they arrested Peter and John, and they arrested the disciples. They drove Paul out of the city. They tried to do this. They stopped him from going in different places. The adversary tried so many different ways to stop the church. But this is not the adversary. The adversary sitting there saying he's killing the church himself. And this is not Reverend Schultz can't preach. This is the Apostle Paul. My God. The PR for the moment was terrible. Can you imagine if that was 2019? Even though folk were running downstairs, somebody would have gone to the window to get the video. It'd be on YouTube. Instagram. Man falls out window listening to preacher. Sermon so boring, young man falls three stories and breaks his neck. Preacher doesn't realize that people are falling asleep while he's preaching. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a place where you can go and catch a nap. My God, this is the worst PR the church can get. The sermon has put the boy not just to sleep, but now in a coffin. Who's going to invite him to preach again? We want you to do men's day. Nah. You want to invite Paul for young adult day? Absolutely not. Did you hear what happened to Uticus? This is... This is not one of the associate ministers. This is not Reverend, please don't put him up to preach. Because you know, every church got somebody you just don't want to hear. When you see him coming to the desk, you go, oh no. I wish I could see the hands of folk who know you've heard that sermon. Come on, wave at me, don't lie. You've seen them come to the pulpit, you go, uh, you're on the choir, you say, I, I, I got to go, something's come up. you usher in and say, I'm gonna stay through the offering, you know, or you're a member, go, oh, I just got the emergency text. In fact, you text somebody and told them to text you. <laughs> this is not that preacher. Angie, this is Paul who gives us Philippians, gives us Galatians, who establishes churches, who sets up ministries. This is Paul who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the apostle Paul. This is the man who has done more to establish the kingdom. And yet, with one sermon, he's laid rest to the church of Jesus Christ. My God, Dr. Gardner-Taylor, put it this way, Dr. Gardner-Taylor in his Lyman Beach lecture said this there, he said, a sermon should be as long as it is interesting. And some preachers ought to sit down after the title. Look at them as ouch. But here's my question, church. Here's my question to you. Does the kingdom of God, rise or fall on the sole strength of the sermon is the weight of salvation just on the preacher's shoulders is the church measured by the fire and smoke coming from the preacher or the catchy phrases and deep metaphors that he or she uses Dr. Charles Booth used to say that preachers had forgotten what preaching was all about. And so he used to stand up and say, I'm going to keep on preaching till preaching comes back in style. Because many of us have forgotten that preaching is not the measure of the church. I started wondering, then why is this story here? Why would God put a story in the Bible or allow a story to be put in the Bible that tears the church down? Anybody gonna join church? You know, your preacher can't preach. Why don't you come over to my church? No, you ought to come hear my pastor. Oh, I heard him. I heard him. I heard him. I heard him. But no, you you know, you, no, I tell you, I'll pass the deep. I know too deep for me. I remember I heard somebody that once I said, What are they talking about? I am lost in the sauce. It is. Can you blame it all on the sermon? Is the sermon the measure of the church? If if that be so, then the Bible and the church ought to end it right here. Because this is the worst PR that a church could have. What evangelism ministry can do after this? We need you to come to our church. Didn't a man just die last week there? You need to come here, our pastor. Didn't he preach so long that a man fell out the window? I ain't coming over your church. Nah, y'all hold church too long, anyhow. And it ain't even worth staying awake for. I ain't coming. But yet it's here. And I started wondering, Brian, maybe there's a reason why it's here. Maybe there's something more to the church than the sun. Not to minimize the sun. But I need you to look at somebody and say, you don't measure the church by the sun. And I think it's all right here in the text. Look at somebody and say, it's in the text. Look at this incident. Paul is preaching. Now, I mean, he's standing there preaching in his 59 years explaining the gospel, what God has done, who Jesus is, how the power of God is manifest, and a young man sitting there listening hears it, begins to go to sleep. Before he knows it, he's sound asleep, and he falls out of a window, a third-floor window, and he's found dead. The service is over. Service is ended. Everybody says it's over. People are running, screaming, saying the boy is dead. What the enemies of Jesus could not do bad preaching has accomplished with one sermon but instead of this being the death knell for the church this becomes the springboard for evangelism in the church huh wait a minute how did a bad sermon and a dead boy become the springboard for evangelism in the church I submit to you my brothers and sisters this happened because when the boy fell out the window and everybody said he was dead, and people came running down the steps to see about the boy, to hold him, they discovered what the real strength of the church is. Nudge somebody and say, get this. See, the real strength of the church is not who the pastor or the preacher is in the sermon he or she is preaching. The real strength of the church is measured by the quality of the lives of the people who believe the gospel because when they came downstairs, the apostle Paul had preached the sermon. He had preached the sermon and the boy had fallen out the window. Paul ran down the steps, laid on the boy, picked him up and he could sense something. And he said to the folk, don't be alive. Don't be alarmed, he's alive. Either Paul breathed life back into him or he could detect what others could not detect. Either way, the result was the same the same boy was alive. See, the key is that Paul didn't preach him back to life. Paul believed him back to life. And that is the strength of the church, the quality of the people who believe the gospel. See, the real mark of the community of faith, the church, the kingdom, and new psalmist is not just who's preaching on Sunday. Now, don't get me wrong. Every sermon plays a role, but the real strength of the church is the people who believe the gospel and what they do with it in their lives. See, the church is marked by some praying people, some believing people. God, I wish I had a witness. Some loving people, some caring people, some listening people, some compassionate people. Oh yes, the sermon is a catalyst and a driver, but the real measure of the church is the faith that is released, the grace that is seen, the miracles that break forth, the testimonies that are heard, the deliverances that come forth, and seeing people believe that God can do all things but fail. Do I have a witness in here? And when they get changed, they have the capacity to make change. Oh God, I feel like they Right now, the strength of new psalmists is not just the sermons, but it's the quality of the lives that have been changed. The depth of our lives is what matters. Look at somebody and say it's the depth of your life. I can preach about change every day, but the measure of the church is how many of us actually start to make change happen in our midst and rise up to acknowledge knowledge that we believe this gospel and that we live it. Everybody in this room has a testimony about a moment when you put your faith to work, when you stepped out on faith, when you did what others could not imagine. I feel a shout coming in here. There's a moment in all of our lives when we had to put on our big boy pants and big girl pants and say, I didn't come this far Far to as Jimmy Woodson, said, I didn't come this far not to throw my rock. I've got to trust God to make a way out of no way that's what's the measure of this church that people have gotten to a point where they trust God in some of the most hellish situations and when you trust God you can bring somebody else out of the valley they are in. Can I get a witness here? When you believe you can help somebody else believe. When you see it you can show it to somebody else. Look at somebody and tell them, I believe this thing. I believe this thing. What shows up that day? Paul preached him out the window, but faith got him back on his feet. The sermon may have been dull. The sermon may have been over his head, but faith brought him back to life. And I came here to tell you, don't measure church by anything, but by the faith you see lived out and produced in the lives of people. Slap five with somebody and tell them, I know I believe he'll make a way. Wait a minute, I got to drop this next thing. I got to drop this next thing. The sermon, this was the worst sermon. Oh, my God, this sermon. Trisha, this sermon was the worst advertisement for the church in Troas. Boy, falls out window. Can you imagine the headlines? Paul preaching, boy dead. And he called himself a preacher. I can see, I can see the new title, the new anesthesia preacher. You need a nap? Listen to Paul. Suffering from insomnia, don't get pills, get Paul. Mind confused, listen to Paul for about an hour. He'll put you to sleep. This is this is what that Boy, falls out window and is dead. But in the end, the moment that should have killed the church dead. I mean, I can see Satan on his throne calling all his imps back. We ain't got to do nothing. These folk done found out how to kill the kingdom themselves, put up every bad preacher, and let them just lull the people to sleep. But that's not what happened. This one incident becomes the spring for the church to grow. It grows on a bad sermon that put a boy to sleep and killed him. How? Well, I think it's here to make a clear point that has to be heard, and it's simply this. Paul runs down the steps, grabs the boy, picks him up, and says, he's not. don't be afraid, don't be alarmed, y'all. He's not dead, he's alive. Because no matter how you cut it, slice it, or dice it, this gospel, let somebody say, this one may make you shout. This gospel that we preach, no matter who's preaching it and what's going on, doesn't matter if the preacher's bad or the choir's bad, this gospel is always about restoring life and ending death somebody missed that this gospel is always about restoring life and ending death see a lot of people were hung up on the sermon and almost missed the fact that the church and the kingdom is really about life that banishes death It's really about restoring life. Now, notice I didn't say the kingdom is about life and death issues, because that's what most folk always want to deal with, life and death issues. But life and death issues implies a conversation that there's a conversation going on between these life and death issues. God says, no, you got it wrong. It's not a conversation going on. Whenever I show up, I show up with life, and the life I show up with banishes the death that is trying to grab you. Y'all did not get that. I do not show up to have a conversation with what's trying to destroy your life. I show up to bring you out of darkness and to establish you in light. God, y'all still ain't got it. I show up to set you free from what's trying to take you down. It is not going to be a conversation. I show up to break every chain that's trying to bind you. I show up to cancel every demonic activity that works around you. Have you ever wondered sometimes why your mind was confused and then all of a sudden all the clouds seem to vanish? It's because God shows up. And when God shows up, He does not show up to dialogue disappointment. God shows up to bring life where there was death and to banish death from your experience. God shows up to bring you back to life. I need to talk to some folk in here who know you died over some situations. You died in some circumstances. Come on, don't play. Nudge the person beside you and say, go ahead and admit the truth. It took your joy. It took your peace of mind. It took your sense of direction. But thanks be to God for the gospel, the gospel that came back into your life and gave you back joy and happiness and life. This gospel is about life that banishes death. Not somebody say it banishes death. Oh Jesus. See, see I got to say this then I'm done. Two things then I'm done. Listen. This is a 2 thing. Here's a young man, falls out the window. He ain't been listening to the sermon. In fact, he's over his head. Paul's talking temptation language, and he's listening for Tupac. Paul's, pa- Paul's, Paul's talking, you know, uh, 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 bushes and, and, and old-fashioned language, and he's looking for New Day hip language. But he fell out the window. He broke his ever-loving neck. And it was... The quality of the people who believe that gospel who got him back to life because whenever this gospel is presented it restores life and it banishes death some of y'all ought to be excited about what's happening in your life because see two things have happened God has restored your your joy and restored your life that's the first thing now if nothing else makes you shout that ought to make you shout that god has given you back all that the locusts have tried to eat god has given back to you god has given back to you your confidence god has given back to you your self-esteem and self-worth god has given back to you determination god has oh i think somebody ought to shout on this god has given you back your carriage. God, y'all missed that. God has given you back your carriage. He has given you back your carriage to stand in some tough places, to take some tough hits, to deal with some tough folk, to handle some tough situations. I need you to talk to the person beside you and tell them I've got my life back. But Doug, the good thing is, and this is, I'm I'm trying to contain myself because I got one last thing to drop on you. I shout not just because he's given me back my life, but he has banished death. What do you mean? God says, not only am I going to bring him back to life, I'm going to keep him alive. Y'all didn't get that. Which means there's no need for you to try to come at him again because whatever weapon you draw it will not prevail God I need somebody in here why because I know the plans that I have for him Plan for good plans to prosper I need somebody in here who can shout over the fact that whatever is meant for evil God will work it for your good I I hadn't planned to drop this but remember the line says that which was meant for evil God will turn it for my good now, most of you think that that means that when evil comes at you, God will turn you in the situation so it works out good. You, no, that's not what it says. It says, what is intended for evil, God is going to take that it and turn it. You will still stand still, but it will. What other folk can't handle, what other folk don't like, what other folk fall to, God will raise the same thing up to bless you. Other people will wonder, how does it work for you and not work for them? It's because of the God who works with you. I need you to grab somebody and say, I've seen that. I've seen folk that other folk couldn't even deal with work for my good. I've seen folk that didn't like me turn around and have to help me. If y'all don't feel like shouting, I don't know what'll make you shout. I need you to look at somebody and tell me, God's been protecting me. There's one last thing that I'm that, I, that I'm done. There is this sermon should have ended the church. You know, this kind of preaching. Closed down churches. I hear people say, you know, we don't have a preacher. We have to just, you know, these folk been coming by, but they ain't been good. The, the strength of the church is deeper than the preacher and the sermon. It's the quality of the lives. Of the people who believe the gospel. I can't get to every one of you when something's happening in your life, but some of y'all know that the person seated right beside you has called you on the telephone, say, how you doing, baby? What's going on in your life? Some of them have gone to lunch with you. Y'all ain't getting where I'm coming from. Some of them have helped you when you couldn't help yourself. They've been there for, I need to know, are there any people in church who have found some new family in church and the family in church is almost closer than the family you were birthed into? And you thank God for the quality of the lives of the people who believe believe the gospel that's why you ought not join the church and try to live in anonymity I don't want nobody to know I'm here baby you better hope everybody knows you here why because there will come a time in your experience when somebody can connect to you on one side and connect to you on the other side and help you get to where you've got to go one last thing then I'm done one last thing the, don't, don't judge us but when the moment was over Paul got the boy up and wait a minute Paul went right back upstairs and started preaching again now remember it was after midnight did y'all read the rest of the text he preached till daylight y'all ain't got it the boy did what? Fell out the window. (laughs) Linguistically, linguistically, Paul runs down, picks the boy up, says, don't be alone. He's not dead. He's alive. And then the text says he went back upstairs and he preached till morning. Now, Paul had a good set of lungs. I mean, he got right up from raised the boy from dead, went on back upstairs and preached till morning. After he preached the first half of the sermon they put the boy to sleep and killed him, And he goes back up, and he's preaching. I think I would have tried to find another sermon. (laughs) I would have found one that had more highs than lows. But Paul goes right back upstairs, and he starts preaching right again, and preaches from midnight six more hours. Now, y'all think I'm long. Look at somebody and say, my name is Eudicus. Because y'all Negroes would have fell out that window. But here's the key. Here's the key. This is the part. Trisha, I don't think they got it. Linguistically, and, and, and according to the arrangement of the story, the story doesn't say at that point when Paul got him up that the family took him home. See, this is 930. We go deep. It doesn't say the family took him home. It says right after Paul got him up, Paul went right back upstairs and started preaching for the next six hours. Then the line says, and the family took him home, and they were comforted. Y'all, son got it. The boy falls out the window, breaks his neck. Y'all watch them TV shows; you see him on the ground. You yeah. know, Paul lifts him up. D he gets back up and he's walking. Text says Paul goes back upstairs, preaches six more hours, eats some food too—Popeyes or Chick-fil-A. Just trying to be relevant. Gets himself some some, some nuggets or some fish sam- or chicken sandwich, and eats. Then he preaches five more hours. Then the text says, the family took him home. Y'all still ain't got it. The boy didn't go home when he got up. You know where the boy went? Back upstairs. You know why? Because that moment was a defining moment for him and he realized it ain't about the language it's about the power it ain't about whether you talk in two chains or biggie or Nat King Cole or Lana Turner or Tina Turner. It's about the power of God. It's about the same power that was at work in Paul, that was at work in Jesus, that the boy said, I want that power to be at work in me. And I just stopped by to tell you, we've got to create some defining moments that change people's lives that change folks' perspective, that help people realize that's the God I want. I want him to walk with me. I want him to talk with me. I want him to change my life. Slap five with somebody and tell them I met him for myself one day. Oh, and when I met Jesus, he turned my life around. Do I have anybody in here who remembers your defining moment? Look at somebody and tell them, I'm older now but I can still praise him. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and what he's done for me, I stopped in here to tell somebody, it ain't about the sermon. It ain't about the song. It's about the power of God. And if God be for you, he is more than the world against you. If God lives in your heart, he will give you amazing power Do I have anybody in church who is standing in a tough situation? Do I have anybody in church who is working a tough situation? Slap five with the person beside you and tell them, but I've got God on my side. I know him for myself. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I'm his child i feel a praise coming because i met jesus for myself i'm done i'm done it's eight o'clock in the morning sermon over friends of the boys say to him when they see him later that day Man, I know you ain't going back there no more. How you feel? You down there, that thing put you to sleep. You look and say, I don't know what y'all talking about. That moment woke me up. I went to sleep. On a sermon, I woke up on soul-saving power. I thought it was about words. I realized it's about connections. I thought it was about listening. I now know it's about living. Did you? You go, "I'm going back to see if he'd be there tonight." But he preached all night long. So I died in the middle of the night, but I was alive by morning. It's just something about that place. Something about them people. It's just something about the name of Jesus. That makes me feel. I may not be everything I ought to be. I still drink some pluck. I still party hearted. I ain't getting rid of all my tattoos. And I still like cut-up jeans. And I know I got Beijing on my scalp, so it looked dark. I got hairlines I never had. Somebody will get that. But something happened to me over there. Mama invited me to go. I wasn't planning on going. Girlfriend told me, "Come on, go if she. Went, if I wanted to date her, I had to go to church. Friend invited me to go to that third- floor room. And I didn't know what I was listening to. I heard terms I'd never heard before. Sin, redemption. Sanctification. What in the world, Sanctification. Is that a kind of speed on a record player? I got so tired, I fell out the window, listening to all that stuff I ain't understand. But then the man who I didn't understand touched me. And I realized I didn't have to understand. I just had to be open. And I went from death to life. You know why I'm going back now? Not because I understand everything, but because I want to understand everything. I want to understand what I didn't understand. I want to understand what I missed. I want to understand what I thought was gibberish. Because whatever power that brother has, that's what I want to work in me. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave the same power called the dead to wait lives in me lives in us it ain't about how great the preaching is or the singing it's about how great your faith is I need you to lean over somebody close to you. Tell them, I'm praying for you. I need you to tell somebody else, this is a defining moment for me. This is a moment for me. This is my moment. Can I see the hands of folk who know half time you ain't understand nothing preachers are talking about, but one day God moved Look at somebody and say, and I came alive. Just wave at me if I'm on your street. The same power that rose Jesus from, I want everybody to stand. We're going home in a minute. We're going out on the grounds. Food's going to be out there. But I got a feeling somebody needs to come on and let God change your life. Let God give you life where death tried to get you.